Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. And a good morning to you. Welcome back to this edition of our Smart Garden Show. With me this morning from the University of Minnesota, none other than Julie Weisenhorn. I need <laughs> Boy, a drum what an roll. Intro. I need a drum roll or something. <laughs> Julie, good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm I'm a little uh, astounded at this weather, though. I'm feeling like it might be maybe October. <laughs> yeah, no, no kidding. And as I mentioned to Jack Farrell, this might be Seattle. Yeah, it might be weather. Seattle. I was trying to think in the United States where this would be more typical, but yeah, probably Seattle. Yeah, uh, and it's uh, it, we're already getting text messages about this this very strange weather. Um, I, I quite frankly, I you know I think it's it's good. I was going to ask you about this. One of the first things this morning because we we still need so much moisture right. in our CCO land area, and this is great. But I was going to ask you. Do, it doesn't look like my ground is frozen yet. I don't think it is either. I think if it's if it's frozen at all, maybe, well, it's not now because it's been raining, but it right. would have been just the top inch or so, maybe yeah. just the crust. So, yeah, it's still, I think it's still going to soak in, which is good. We need that. 
Um, but it's just odd. It just doesn't doesn't feel right for us as Minnesotans. And I'm glancing at the latest forecast now, uh, and the chilly day will be Monday. We might yeah. get up to 26, but the rest of the week goes anywhere from 38 to the mid-40s. Yeah, it's it, it's any ice that we have on Monday from this rain, if there's any residual water right. left, it's going to melt in a day or two. So, yeah, it's just it's just strange. But you know what? I think the important thing is there's nothing we can do about it. So. No. Um, people might be concerned about it, um, but really we just have to roll with the punches, which we do as Minnesota gardeners, don't we? No, we do. And uh, we're getting, I'm sure we'll be getting more because uh, I'm still concerned about uh, a dormant seeding. And I, I'm looking at it textually yeah. <laughs> uh, from a listener that said, a few weeks back I dormant seeded. Yesterday it rained all day. Well, today too. Yeah. The question from the listener is, do you think the seeds might rot? I don't think they'll rot. Uh, I think it will. They'll just lie dormant. I think it'll be okay. So um, it's it's just not going to be a steady fifty degrees for germination, and and I think that that I think it'll be all right. I'm well, looking I, at my crystal ball at this point. But, I was going to but, go uh, out uh, yesterday, then today. Of course, it's raining, uh, and I'm looking at the forecast for the rest of the week. I'm I'm not finished dormant seeding yet. I thought for sure by mid November I would be. Yeah. Completed like a lot of folks would, but not the case. Uh, like I you have said, not either. It's I out of our control. Yeah, I haven't put down my beelon seed that my neighbor and I agreed that uh, he did it in the spring, and I I was going to do it in the fall, and I'm still kind of waiting on it. I've got it in my yeah. garage, ready to go. But I think a lot of people are in our, our same situation. Well, let uh, Julie. Let me uh, give uh, our listeners not only our phone number but the text number. It happens to be the same number. So if you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, and anyway, I urge you don't wait because. If you're a regular listener of the show, and Julie knows this as well, uh, very busy. We get very busy rather quickly. So call it in. If you, we'd love to hear your voice. Chat with Julie if you like, or uh, you can just send your question via text. Either way, 651-461-9226. You know, it's a good question I'm looking at now, and uh, normally I know what you would say, but uh, <laughs> Texter says, when can you trim oak trees? You can trim oak trees now. Uh, this is uh, the this is the uh, dormant season of the tree and also the pathogen. So yes, you can you can prune them now. If you're concerned because of the weather, you can always wait and do it later in January. Uh, and just you know, if you're you want to really be sure that it's ice cold and you know that there's there's no chance, um, you can wait. But it, right now, it's at uh, you could be pruning your oak trees. Uh, has there been a lot of talk amongst you know your friends and your colleagues about this Zone Five business that we've been hearing about? Yeah, so Zone Five uh, is the new—I uh, won't say the new zone for Minnesota, but a lot of Minnesota, uh, with the onset of the new USDA plant hardiness zone map, we see a lot of Zone Five A, and uh, so this means that there that it's that the extremes. The annual extremes, which are the cold, coldest temperatures, are a little bit warmer than, uh, than in the past. So the last uh, map was in 2012, so it's been a few years, and all of the information has been compiled into uh, the current map. So it's 30 years of information that's been, um, because the original map came out in like 1991, I think. 
Um, there's been a lot of changes throughout the nation, and I would suggest people go to the USDA map. You can just Google USDA plant hardiness zone map and read about how the map was created. And uh, it tells you a lot about the technology that they use and how precise it is and the details, the finer details that they're able to get for us and then translate that into the map. Julie, have, have you as a, an education uh, um, educator, have you, have you seen over the years the, the change in because of the weather of what you can or cannot grow or the, the more things? I mean, have you seen evidence of this change in climate? Sure. Uh, yeah. So since um, in when I got into horticulture, we had a zone two, a little portion of zone two that was up by Halleck, up in Kitson County. And that is gone. That changed with the 2012 map. And we got it. We, we uh, found a little bit of 5A in the along the border between Minnesota and Iowa in the 2012 map. Well, now if you look at it, a lot of the uh, zone 5A has moved up into the southwest in the 2012 map. Well, now if you look at it, a lot of the uh, zone 5A has moved up into the southwest portion of the state and the southern perimeter of our state. And also around the cities, so around the Twin City area as well. And because of the exactness or preciseness or improvement of the technology, they're able to also map out 5A along, say, the Minnesota River area. So really take a good look at that map. If you have the 2012 map, which you can also look at from the USDA site, compare the two of them. It's very interesting. And you can find out what zone you are gardening in now by typing in your zip code at the USDA website. And I happen to be in the same zone that I've been in. That's 4B. So mine has not changed. The Arboretum has not changed. But I know some friends of mine, not too far away, their zone has changed. So uh, it, it's very interesting. It is only one marker for the hardiness of plants. So it's, it's uh, you know, looking at uh, when you start to choose plants, you want to start with the zone that you're gardening in. But you also need to remember that hardiness depends upon how you care for plants and choosing the right plant for the right location. So understanding your site conditions, the amount of light you have, the soil you have, the moisture in your soil the space that you have to plant, and then also going on and choosing plants to fit those conditions. So, And then caring for the plants appropriately, too. You can't just plant and walk away. You have to care for these living things. We have some excellent uh, videos in our landscape design webpage that's uh, on Yard and Garden, and you can watch those and learn about choosing plants in the proper way. And you really, we're really looking for maximum performance of the plants and longevity in your landscape. And really uh, so that you are doing as little maintenance as possible because the plants are thriving and not just surviving. Well, you brought up a good point. A lot of variables outside of just the zone yes. we're in. And that's, that was a, right. a great point. Uh, Julie, I'm going to take a break. We'll uh, make it a quick break. But folks are, are asking you uh, to again talk about dormant seeding. Uh, one listener wants to know if he or she should wait till the end of next week, maybe. And I know you, you mentioned your crystal ball. <laughs> but uh, if you please, this test, a texter says, would you give me a step-by-step of what dormant seeding is? Let's talk about that when we come back after the break. Sounds good. And uh, we'll pick up on other questions as well. Any kind of a lawn or garden question, we welcome yours this morning here on our Smart Garden Show, 651 461 
9226. Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M answering those particular questions this morning here on 830 WCCO. It's a Saturday morning in CCL on 16th of December. It's time once again for our <laughs> Smart Garden Show. Denny Long along with, uh, from the U of M, Julie Weisenhorn. Julie, uh, we've got a whole bunch of texts have come in. Uh, let me give the phone number for folks uh, just joining us, 651-461-9226. That's not only our phone number, it's our text number as well. Uh, if you run a call or text, either way, any kind of a lawn or garden question for Julie. When we uh, just before the break, Julie, we uh, posed the question about the dormant seeding. Maybe an right. expl- ex- explanation of what it is and how do we do it? Okay. Well, here's the explanation. We do have a web page on it on our extension site, so you can read a little bit more about it. Uh, dormant seeding is putting down an appropriate grass seed, so one that fits your conditions: full sun, part sun, shade, your soil type. Putting it down now, this time of year anticipating a a healthier lawn in the spring. So the seed lies dormant, it doesn't germinate, ideally, uh, through the winter. And then in the spring, when we have the freeze-thaw cycle and we have moisture available to the seed, the seed will germinate when the temperatures are appropriate. So I checked with John, uh, and I just said, you know, can we still dormant seed? Because usually we would be recommending this about a month ago. Yeah. But he said, yes, any time that the seed can get to the soil, so you have seed-to-soil contact, between now and the end of March when the temperatures start to rise, you can dormant seed. So it's still okay to do that. He said the time that's best is right before snow or rain. (laughs) So we are having a little rainy day now. Those seeds can get a little bit of moisture, and that will help to prolong them through the winter but it's too cold for them to germinate at this point. And this is, uh, I'm looking at a text, Julie, that was similar to an earlier one this morning. We overseeded our lawn in mid-November before leaving for Texas. Are those grass seeds doomed, and should we reseed when we return mid-April? Well, actually, you can also seed and do what's called frost seeding. That's in around March. So after the snow has melted or when there's very little snow on on the soil, you can put down seed again. And again, you're just you're really doing the same as dormant seeding, except that it's a little bit shorter time period before we get that warm up and the seeds will germinate. So it's a way to kind of get some of your work out of the way and to go into the next growing season with a healthier lawn. Um, there's no need for soil preparation. You don't need to, to do anything. Um, you want to get as much seed to that soil as possible. And now when the soil is moist, this would be a good time to do it. All right. Different kind of a question. What will happen, Texter says, if my perennials start growing in this strange weather? <laughs> well, there's nothing to do about it. That's that's the thing. But we, I've seen, um, I've got some parsley growing out at the foodscape, and it's green. Uh, I've got some kale that's still green. I could pick it and have a salad. Um, but there's not anything we can do about it at this point. But you don't have to worry about the perennials. If you're concerned at all, you can put some mulch on top of those plants just to help to moderate the soil and air temperatures for those plants. And that's a good practice anyway. We talk about that in the fall, about going into fall, about putting some mulch around some plants. Um, but go ahead, you can, you know, I, you can go ahead and cover them if, if, if you're concerned with that. So that will prevent them from getting really severe cold damage if we suddenly have a drop in temperature. But it doesn't sound like we're going to have anything like that. 
Not really. Anytime no. soon. Yeah. Let's take a phone call, Julie. Lynn uh, is calling in from Oconee, I do believe. Lynn, good morning. What is your question for Julie, Lynn? Uh, good morning. I have a, a word of advice more than a question. Are you okay, okay with that? Uh, regards to oh, yeah, trees? absolutely. You of bet. course. All right. Um, normally, uh, everybody jumps on the gun a little bit and does a little pruning of apple trees once the trees are uh, hardened off, so to speak, in November and December. But this year, I think everybody should be really careful about uh, not doing that. Um, as we all know, the buds of an apple tree are formed the year before. Right. Uh, but I would not uh, uh, do any early pruning. In fact, if you have any uh, apples that have still hanging on the tree, one of the old farmer's tricks, and we have 1,500 trees, so it's impractical from our standpoint. <laughs> I bet. Uh, but if you have smaller trees, a smaller number of trees, just pick off the the apples that are still hanging there. Uh, they look ugly anyway. And just throw them away from the base of the tree. Otherwise, you get, you'll have little mice visiting. Right. But uh, be very careful as you're to early to regular pruning time. Sure. So, Lynn, sounds like you have an orchard. Uh, right. Orchard and a vineyard were about uh, two miles from the HRC. Oh, okay. Which one is it? Uh, Drewdorf Orchards. Sure, absolutely. And uh, vineyard. And then uh, Parley Lake Winery is also located here. Awesome. I love oh, that. That's great. Winery. Great information, yeah. Lynn. Th- Thank thanks you so very much. much. Yeah, we- he makes a great point about timing this year is, is just, you know, just waiting uh, and not getting too anxious about doing some of that, I think, is, is important. And waiting until the, the plant is, uh, you know, maybe later into the winter when uh, when things do get cold. I, predict, I think it's going to get to be cold. We may not have much snow, but I think the temperatures are going to, you know, maybe flatten out a little bit down in the 20s or lower. I mean, this is Minnesota, so we just, if you don't like the weather, wait a minute and it'll change. So. That's right. The <laughs> but theater. thank you, Lynn. I really appreciate it. Yeah. And, and nice to hear from a grower. Really appreciate that. Absolutely. Thanks again, Lynn. Let's, I, I tell you what, I know we have to break shortly, but let's uh, grab another phone call. Glenn's calling in, I believe, from Litchfield this morning. Thanks, Glenn. What is your question? Uh, my wife planted garlic in the garden about a month and a half ago. Okay. And we're debating whether they should be covered for the winter or just leave the ground bare. Uh, they you they can benefit from some straw over them, and and uh, for a couple reasons is is like all mulch, it helps to moderate the soil temperatures, but it also helps to uh, keep the weed pressure down as the plants emerge in the spring and as they grow through their season. Out at the uh, market garden, which is out at the farm at the Arb. They put down straw over their garlic that's been growing, uh, which they've planted, uh, and and then it comes up through the straw, and it really acts as a really great mulch for keeping uh, moisture or moisture in the soil, but also keeping the weed pressure down. So yeah, straw is great, but get straw, not hay, or you'll end up with a hay a lot of hay seeds. No, <laughs> then we, then you got another problem. I but, should say, but straw, buy straw, yeah. 
All right. Hang on, Julie. We'll uh, take this break. We're going to talk about weather coming up in a moment or two. We have about another half hour of our Smart uh, Garden show to go, so if you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, we'd love to hear from you at 651-461-9226. From News Talk 830, this is WCCO. And a good Saturday morning to you. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Denny Long on this end, Julie Weisenhorn over there from the University of Minnesota. <laughs> Julie, answering all of those uh, lawn and garden questions. Is Who would have thought we'd be talking lawns this time of year? But uh, You know, it's interesting, Denny, you know, over the years, how many years we've been doing this? A long time. I yeah. don't know, but uh, it's funny because this time of year, I remember years when we never got questions during the show. You and I would be talking about all sorts of things. Oh, yeah. But the people were not thinking about gardening, and people are still thinking about pruning and grass, you know, and all these different things. So no, it's, it's true. kind things, of interesting how the trends happen. It's true. And, uh, yeah, we, we're never lacking for uh, for questions, either yeah. phone calls. Certainly a lot of folks love the text method for sure. Again, today is evidence of that. Yeah. Uh, Here is yet another. By the way, while while we're talking about it, if you want to call in your question or text, 651-461-9226. We're talking lawns and gardens on our Smart Garden Show. By the way, we're here every Saturday in the uh, 8 o'clock hour. Uh, This texter, Julie, says, I have several Christmas cactus or cacti, I guess, that have uh, bloomed very well starting in late October for the past several years. This year the blooms are sparse and not at all do they do best in cool rooms. So Christmas cactus or holiday cacti are, uh, because some of there are different species, they re- are um, short day plants, the Christmas and Thanksgiving cactus, uh, and they respond to shorter daylight and cooler temperatures. So that kind of makes sense when you think of their nicknames, Christmas or Thanksgiving cactus. Those are two different species. And so as the days get shorter and temperatures cool down, the plants are prompted to uh, bud out and then produce flowers, which you mentioned. So those two things, those two factors can be adjusted. So if you are not getting flowers like the texture, you can move your plant into maybe a little bit uh, less light and or uh, and or lower the temperature in the room that it's in or put it in a cooler room. And that will prompt the plant to put out buds. Uh, Easter cactus, which is a different species, actually works in the opposite way and hence its name, Easter is that as it, it buds out when the days get longer and the temperatures warm up. So, um, yeah, it's it's just kind of move the plant around. If the plant is otherwise healthy, then move it around and see if you can prompt it into, into budding. Okay. The listener says, if I planted snow on the mountain, when in the spring should I remove leaves off the area where they are planted? I th- well, leaves make a great mulch, even around ground covers like snow on the mountain. So I would say just push the leaves away from it. You know, it might, if it's a, not a huge area, you can just do it by hand, or you can just do it gently with a with a spring rake. So this is a, a rake that has flexible prongs on it versus a hard rake 
that you'd use for, say, raking gravel or something like that. So you can just gently move those off of the plants as they start to come up. Those plants are pretty resilient. They will probably come through the leaves unless you have a huge amount of leaves that are on top of those plants. But yeah, you can just push that that aside and leave it there. That will help to moderate the soil temperatures, keep them moist, and uh, add carbon as the leaves break down to the soil. All right. Uh, Let's see. Where am I? Sheila uh, sent a comment. Sheila from Litchfield said, I dormant seeded about 1,500 square feet and then covered it with straw erosion control blankets and staked them down. Okay. So thank you, Sheila. Okay. Thanks, Sheila. That's a big job. Question is, could we still put some daffodil bulbs in? (laughs) Yeah, you probably could. (laughs) Well, as long as you can dig down to, I think they're about six inches deep or so. Uh, Yeah, but you could probably put bulbs still in the ground. All right. Especially because we've had a little bit of rain. Yeah. Good morning, Texter says. My sage plant is looking rough. What's the best Mm -hmm. way of growing sage indoors? Yeah, I think herbs are kind of difficult to grow indoors. You have to have a really bright, sunny location, um, and you have to keep them tidy. They tend to dry up. The leaves tend to dry up, and so you need to clean up the debris that's on the plant. That helps to make them look good. You can prune them back as well. So if they've got kind of long, leggy uh, leaves or branches or stems, you can cut those back, and that will help to prompt more compact growth. Look out for insect issues. Uh, When we bring plants in from outside, we sometimes bring in some hitchhikers with that, and in particular with sage, uh, mealybugs, scale, and also uh, spider mites. So spider mites in particular like hot, dry conditions, and that's what our houses are like in the winter. So just keep an eye out those. We have an excellent webpage called Managing Insects on Indoor Plants on our extension site under houseplants, and that's a really good primer for anybody uh, with houseplants is to become aware of what these insects are, how you manage them, Uh, and that's at extension.umn.edu. Go to Yard and Garden and just scroll down to house plants and you'll find it there. There's also a good uh, website about lighting and using uh, uh, supplemental lighting. So if you don't have a really bright window for these sage plants, you can also look at different kinds of grow lights. Tell you what, the perfect thing to do on a rainy day is, <laughs> is to sit back and, and check out that uh, University of Minnesota website. There's so much information. You get lost. Suddenly it's like three hours later. And yeah. you've, uh, but there's so, you, you and your colleagues put so much uh, information in there. We uh, are trying all the time to add more information. Yeah, extension.umn.edu. Yes. You will not regret it. All right, here's a comment, <laughs> not a question. I did my dormant seeding in November. I live in the country. The neighboring rooster has been visiting my yard to clean up under the bird feeders, but then he discovered my grass seeds and has eaten them. So now back to square one. (laughs) So you could, uh, as John had mentioned, and I mentioned earlier, you can... You can dormant seed again. It's That's an expensive under, undertaking, though, to have your neighbor's rooster come and eat all your expensive seeds. So I maybe guess. try to uh, time it right before, you know, ultimately, crossing my fingers here, we do get some snowfall. 
but maybe wait and time it right before a snowfall so that the snow at least covers up the seed and the rooster can't find it as easily. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we we have a question that uh, we've had for the last few weeks, which is a good one, and it makes me think I may do something again. Since we have not had much snow so far this year, should I water my trees? Well, well, Thankfully, we're getting a little bit of moisture at least, yeah. but um, I, I guess I'm, I'm good with that. I think that uh, particularly because we really had a stretch bef- between rainfall or yeah. be- between any kind of moisture, and so I'm, I'm kind of, I'm okay with watering at this point. If you can, t- you want to turn your hoses back on, and uh, and and put some water down. I don't think it's going to hurt anything. The soil's not frozen now. If you live up in Crookston, you got snow on the ground. But um, so it ba- it's based on where you live. But, um, yeah, if your soil's not frozen, I don't think it's going to hurt anything. Yeah. And we had a listener suggestion, if you don't have a whole lot of things to water, to uh, mm-hmm. instead of turning on the hose, just to use buckets. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You could just carry buckets out or, yeah. or watering cans or something yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. This uh, listener, Julie, said, I removed a lot of buckthorn and dead ash trees from oh, the bank of a that. creek. It faces southwest and only gets traffic from animals. What kind of ground cover should I plant? I'm also thinking it would be a good spot for plants for pollinators. Yeah, so you could do a combination of things. A good ground cover that comes to mind is uh, Deervilla linicera. This is a, a northern bush honeysuckle shrub. Uh, it is a native plant. It is low-growing for the most part. You can cut it down if you want to keep the height in check. But it has, uh, it, it's not a super flashy plant, it has a little bit of fall color and some very small yellow flowers in the spring that are attractive to smaller pollinators. So this is a great uh, erosion control plant. It also is very adaptable to lots of different kinds of soil. So you could do some of that, but you could also mix in some of our uh, native grasses that are important for some of our uh, caterpillars of our butterflies, our native butterflies. They feed on those grasses. You can also look at some of our uh, some of our native uh, uh, flowers too for more pollinators, and I would say go with fewer varieties, but bigger masses of those varieties, so that you really have some impact on the pollinators, and you're not you're not futzing around too many with too many uh, too much variety and too much work. So uh, there's good lists on our website under native plants, of native plants that you might choose. And also our Minnesota DNR has some good, really good uh, web pages as well. You know, considering, Julie, all the uh, lawn questions, not only we have today, but certainly in the past (laughs) few weeks, uh, you have put in, and again, getting back to the University of Minnesota website, there's a great uh, program. There's some, some great planning advice there, right? Uh, the you're talking about the landscape for, design workshop for the lawns for oh, the, the okay, for lawns. fertilizing um, and all of that yes yeah there's a good calendar that um, is our Minnesota uh, upper Midwest I think it's the upper Midwest lawn care calendar that's helpful uh, we have a good plant selection database if you're looking for plants where you can enter in the site conditions that you have and and click search and plants will uh, a list of plants will come up that meet those conditions. We also have plant lists uh, such as trees and shrubs for pollinators. If you're looking to add some of those plants to your site this spring coming up, you can start planning your garden. If you're kind of done with your work, if you've 
you're satisfied with your dormant seeding process, if you've mulched your plants, uh, take a look at the website and, and start thinking about what you might want to change for next year. Record keeping is important as a gardener, especially things that don't work uh, and, and things that you want to change so that you can plan for next year. So our website, we try to do that. We try to provide information about that. And, and things that you want to change so that you can plan for next year. So our website, we try to do that. We try to provide information about that. Extension at umn.edu. Julie, yes. we're going to take a, a quick break. And when we come back, let's talk a little bit about what's going on at the Arboretum. Great time of year. If you have family and friends coming in for the holidays, you're going to want to, that's a great place to, to, to bring them. So hang on. We'll take this break. Just a reminder coming along next hour, Andy Lindis will be answering any kind of a home improvement question you might have. So stay tuned for that. 38 degrees in the Twin Cities. We might hit 40 today, and it'll be about the same as far as daytime high temps tomorrow. But kind of a rainy day here on News Talk 830 WCCO. And welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Denny Long here, along with uh, Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M. You can kind of find Julie hanging out at the uh, Landscape Arboretum, right? <laughs> yes, I office out there. Lucky me. Lucky so, you. Uh, John and I are both up in the Myers Education Center, which is at Farm at the Arb. So uh, a very popular place uh, to, come to visit the farm. Uh, especially during the growing season. But lots of great hiking trails out at the Arboretum. And the poinsettia tree is fantastic right now. We were all admiring it yesterday. It's in the big, great hall of the Oswald Visitor Center. Really beautiful. It's 24 feet tall. And there are 450 individual poinsettia plants in pink, red, and white. There's also a few salmon-colored and yellow-colored tucked in there, too. So it's pretty awesome. Well, again, I know it's a rainy day today, but but you're not limited to just Saturday or Sunday. You can visit the Arboretum any day of the week, generally yeah, speaking, Yeah, right? I think the Arboretum's open every day except for Christmas Day. Yeah. And it is, uh, yeah, it's all decorated for the holidays. The the um, the Apple House uh, Holiday Boutique uh, is still open through, I think, December 20th is their last day, but also the gift shop, which is packed full of great opportunities for holiday gifts. Uh, and, of course, you can pick up something to eat in the restaurant, have a snack, and then uh, go out and hike around. I mean, it's raining today, but uh, it's not going to rain tomorrow, and it looks like we've got some really nice weather. Yeah. I would I would suggest people take the bog walk so you can get a map when you get into the Arboretum, and it's got a, a boardwalk that goes across our bog. That's a really neat area that I don't think many people visit that much. Very naturalized area. You can see some of our native plants down there. There's a great lookout that looks out over Green Heron Pond. But there's all sorts of great things to see, especially the winter lights, which is our big light display this time of year. And uh, that goes on, um, I think, almost every night and uh, and really is a fun thing to do as a family, especially with the weather so good now. So, But you, you have to, uh, to kind of reserve online, right? Right. You have to get tickets, and then uh, members uh, get in free because they're members, yeah. they've already, uh, they're already supporting the Arboretum. Uh, but they are, there's a charge for the winter lights to help support it. Um, and uh, so you want to get tickets, you have to get winter light tickets, and then um, just pick the time you want to come and drive on in, stop, and they'll scan your ticket as you come in the, in the front gate. So, What do you uh, look for just, online, Julie? What's the easiest way to access it? Uh, you just go to arb, arb.umn.edu, and then go to visit, 
or uh, just click on the winter lights. There's a big picture of the winter lights there, along with other things to see at the Arboretum. Great place to visit family, yeah, friends, fantastic. yourself. Whatever. You're around. Yeah. It's beautiful. Julie, question for you from a listener. If you do, I think it's a good one. If you do fall dormant seeding, does that mean no spring pre-emergent and fertilizer? Yes. Boy, I'm glad somebody uh, asked about that. You do not want to put down a pre-emergent because that will, of course, any seed that hasn't germinated when you put that down uh, would be um, would not germinate. <coughs> but you can wait until after the seed germinates and then go ahead and put your pre-emergent down. Okay. How to keep amaryllis year to year? Oh, okay. Well, we have a good website on that, but basically amaryllis are one of the easiest uh, house plants to grow. I love them. They're fantastic looking. And they are essentially a giant bulb. They're not hardy here, so you have to bring them in in the uh, fall if you've had them growing outside on your deck or patio or if you've planted them in your garden. And then you just let them rest. You can put them into a dark, cool location, let the leaves die back, don't water them. You can leave them right in the pot. Don't have to take them out. And then around, oh, it's about 8 to 12 weeks, you take them out and put them in a sunny window, cut off anything that's dead, and then uh, just water them as usual. And uh, hopefully they'll put up a bud, flower bud right away. And you'll have uh, some amazing flowers. Mine are in the garage still. I don't time them for the holidays. I kind of let them just, I let them completely die back. And then I'll bring them out probably after the, after uh, in January sometime, put them in a, a warm window and start watering them. Okay. Listener sent this text, Julie. Holiday cactus bloomed beautifully two months ago <laughs> and now apparently rotting, parentheses, oh. with wet soil. Can the brackets be planted and hopefully grow? Uh, boy, yeah. So overwatering is one of the, that's probably the main thing that kills houseplants. We take too good a care of them sometimes. And Christmas cactus like to dry out between waterings. So, um, so, and you also need to be sure that if you've got a plant that's in a pot that's within a pot or within a foil wrapper, that you take those plants out, no matter what kind it is, poinsettia, Christmas cactus, take it out, put it in the sink, water it, let it drain well, then you can put it back in that decorative pot or that foil wrapper. You do not want these plants sitting in wet soil all the time. That's, that's a sure way to kill them, and it sounds like this is what's happened with this plant. Now, you can break off the, the sections of the branches. They're called cladophils. You can snap those off or, or cut them off gently and then put them into a little bit of root tone. It's a little powder that you buy at the garden center. It's a hormone powder. It will help to prompt roots to develop at the end of that cutting. Put those into a light soil mix and uh, and keep them moist, not wet, and then uh, just check them, and then uh, the plant should uh, be doing just fine. Okay. Listener sent uh, this text. I don't want to beat this topic into the ground. <laughs> Sorry for the joke if you got it. But I dormant seeded a month ago, and I'm wondering if I can aerate the lawn in the spring before the seeds sprout, or is that a bad idea? Sorry yes. for the joke. That's okay. So aeration <laughs> is best done in the fall. And the reason for that is because the, uh, there's less weed pressure. When you aerate in the spring, you turn up weed seeds, and now you're going into the growing season, and the weeds are like, all right, you know, we're free. So, uh, so wait and do that aeration in the fall. If you have to aerate in the spring, you want to wait until your, your new uh, turf has really emerged because um, it, it, it can be very hard, especially if you've done a lot of seeding 
in an area that maybe was very bare. You don't want to disturb those seeds and those young plants until they're really well established. Julie, you only have about a minute to go. Do you Are you aware, I know you're aware of certain plants that may be poisonous, but uh, this texter was talking about an African trumpet that I was told oh. all plant parts are poisonous. This brings up a question. What other annuals and perennials should we not put in our home? Do you have any idea? Well, they're saying poisonous. I, I would take it to children and pets. And right. For pets, you can look at the ASPCA website, and they have a long list of levels of toxicity of plants for pets. Uh, if you are concerned about children, um, I am not. Uh, I think you'd want a really good handbook about toxic plants. You're going to find that a lot of the house plants are going to cause some physical distress if people eat them. So uh, you want to keep them out of the reach of children. And I'm not a parent, so I'm probably people are probably laughing at me when I say that. <laughs> but um, you want to just uh, you know be careful with those. Teach your kids about plants, um, you know, to be uh, careful with them and that they're not for eating. Of course, you, that's what you want to tell them. But, uh, yeah, it's I, a lot of plants will cause some kind of physical distress if, if somebody eats them. So but these days you can find out so much. You can find out, yeah. yeah. I just, we, uh, Jenny, I just want to quick plug also the Minnesota yeah. Grown website because it has good information about Christmas trees and Christmas tree life cycle. Okay. And about the growers. So that's at uh, minnesotagrown.com. Excellent. Merry Christmas to you and Carl and your family, Thanks. your mom and dad. And uh, uh, let's talk in the new year. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you and Sandy. Thank you so much. Thanks, Julie. Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M. Now, uh, next week, I do believe, on the 23rd, Master Gardener Teresa Rooney will be with us. Get those home improvement questions ready. Next hour, Andy Lindis will be answering those very questions here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 